Do Canadian stocks make for great value investments? And if so, in what sectors? Cannabis, oil, or tech? My guest today is Kim Shannon. She's a founder and co-CIO at Siona Investment Managers in Toronto, Canada, which is one of the largest independent investment firms led by a woman. We're going to jump right into Kim's overview of the stock market, her long-term investment strategy, and her number one focus in 2021. History tells me how human beings collectively in the past have made mistakes that we're likely to make again in the future. A 1% better dividend yield than either of those two major markets. So you're getting paid to wait and you're getting a better future expected return. Well, it was hard not to ignore the marijuana sector in Canada for several years because we legitimize marijuana. My name is Kiana Daniel. I'm the best-selling author of Cryptocurrency Investing for Dummies and the founder of the Invest Diva movement, where we aim to help 1 million moms take control of their financial future by the year 2025. If that's you, or if you know of a mom who could benefit from taking control of her financial future, go ahead and hit that subscribe button and share away. Now, let's go say hi to Kim Shannon. Thank you so much yeah. for your time. We're super excited to have you here. And oh my goodness, I cannot wait to learn about what you are looking at right now in the markets and why. Mm-hmm. It's a delight to be joining you on your show. And it's not often that I get invited with to speak with women in the industry. And so that's always a treat for me as well. I'm happy to talk a bit about our value investment approach. And and I've always believed that the stock market is as much about human emotions as it is fundamentals. And that human emotions are a very significant part of returns. And when investors forget about that, they really miss out on what's really going on in the market overall. Because emotions can have markets go to euphoric highs and depressed lows, which creates opportunities for value managers. So as a value manager, we try and determine what the long-term true net worth of a stock is. And the key element for value investing is buying it well below that long-term fundamental value. And there's a belief, and we've seen it over time, that stocks do what's called reversion to the mean. They tend to go back to where they've tended to be in the past. And if the stock's trading significantly below, if a dollar happens to be trading for 70 cents, then if you are patient enough, eventually, and the fundamentals are right and the risk is is acceptable, the stock will tend to revert back to its mean, creating good, reasonable returns for investors. So that's sort of the core element of what we do as value investors overall. Oh my God, I couldn't agree with you more. The whole market is about people. Who creates the prices? People. It's not like some angel or God or robot. It is people. It is market sentiment. If you understand human psychology, you understand the markets. 
And by the way, one of the reasons why women are actually kind of better at investing because we are better at understanding human psychology, aren't we? <laughs> <laughs> and the I other major people. element is also looking at financial market history. And not a lot of people do study history, but to me, history is important. Yes, you know, there's new inventions and there's new investments in the marketplace, but we can look at history because human emotions have not evolved. And, you know, we all have relatively short investment time horizons and we make the same mistakes over and over again. So history tells me how human beings collectively in the past have made mistakes that we're likely to make again in the future. And that's why I like to look at financial market history to see the human excess in the past and make guesstimates about how we're likely to miss things going forward again in the future. Is it safe to assume that you actually are referring to technical analysis by this? No, we're very much fundamental bottom-up investors. But, you know, we do want to look at when the fundamentals, when human beings have speculated a lot in the past and have overpriced securities in the past. Like, for example, today, a number of markets are trading in the top most 10% of valuation as in history. And you can draw a lot of similarities in the marketplace today to the 1929 stock market period, the 73, 74 stock market period, and 2000 in particular to today. And so it can give us some lessons about what might occur going forward in the future. So can you please tell me what categories you're looking at right now? Because we know that we had this major bubble, per se, with the tech industry. Are you referring to that with being overvalued category? And if so, then what are you, and if not, uh, what are you looking at right now as yes, a fundamental yes. value asset? Well, an entire market is composed currently today of, of 11 different industry group sectors. And at any point in time, some sectors are very richly valued and others are not. And yes, right now, there's the tech space is rather pricey, not all parts of the tech space. There are some value elements in the tech space. And so value managers tend to try and find the cheaper places in the market and invest in them. We believe that the price you pay when you enter an investment has a significant impact on your long-term returns. And if you pay too much, with reversion to the mean, it, when it reverts back down, you can lose some returns. So there's always an opportunity set within the market. Even you know in history, they've divided the market into two groups, the most expensive slices and the cheapest slices. And the cheapest slice of the market historically trades somewhere between a five and a 10 PE multiple. Now today, the overall US market is trading you know, in the mid 20s. And history is always suggest, you know, when you have that rich a PE multiple, the subsequent 10-year return tends to be subpar. But if you bought the collection of stocks that were reasonably priced and had good prospects, your next 10 years could be better. When I talk to value investors, I feel like different value investors have slightly different definition of what value investing really is. So... <laughs> I've spoken with value investors who've said, you know what, if it's a great asset, if it's something that I know is going to be in the market, it's going to continue to 
create value in the marketplace, the company itself is actually helping people, then I don't even care what price I pay for it. I'm going to buy at the current market price. Then we have other value investors like yourself who are like, you know what? It is not enough. And correct me if I'm wrong. It is not enough that it's a great asset. It has to be at a fair value price as well. So how do you go about this to really balance the two? Well, what you do is you look at the history of the stock and how it's tended to trade relative to the market throughout its history. And you look at various fundamentals. Um, Classically in value, people will look at a price to earnings multiple, or if you will, a price per pound. You know, are you going to pay a dollar per pound or $10 per pound for that stock? And, And what's the norm? And you'd like to buy it cheaper than it normally is. Another one is a price to cash flow, the flow of funds, the cash machine generation of the firm overall. And another indicator of value would be dividend yields. And very rich dividend yields mean that a stock has a very defensive characteristic on the way down. If the overall market falls and you have a rich dividend yield, at some point your stock will stop falling as long as that dividend is is likely to be sustainable going forward in the future. So those are all indicators that you can use to tell whether that stock is cheaper than it has been historically. And then you wanna definitely add in how risky is this stock? How likely is it to disappoint? Is it a cyclical business or not? And then taking all those elements into account, trying to buy a subset of stocks that are well-diversified portfolio of relatively cheap stocks that have a better prospect of getting an above average return in the future. And it's always good to anchor on what the historical average returns are in markets. And in major developed markets, the long-term historical average is usually somewhere between nine and a half and 10 and a half percent. So try and build a portfolio of stocks offering a greater than nine and a half percent return and avoiding stocks that will get you a more modest return in the long run as they revert back to those means. So I think the inevitable question is, what are you looking at right now? We are recording this today as June 18th, 2021. By the time this is out, Mm -hmm. it's probably going to be a little bit later when it's published. But I would love to know, what are some of the areas that you're looking at right now? I'd like to point out that I operate in Canada, in Toronto. And uh, right now, Canada is, as a marketplace, an inexpensive marketplace relative to both the U.S. and the global benchmark. And we're trading at much cheaper PE multiples than the other major markets, trading with an expected 10-year return, sitting more like 4 to 6% average return, Whereas the U.S. and global benchmarks, given P.E. multiples north of 20, are offering expected returns closer to one based on history. Plus, Canada has a 1% better dividend yield than either of those two major markets. So you're getting paid to wait and you're getting a better future expected return. So just off the top, I'd like to put out there that Canada is an interesting place to invest because it hasn't been as good a performer, it's lagged, and now it's starting to get a bit of a catch-up. Markets tend to offer similar long-term returns in the long run. In the short term, they can get a little out of whack. 
But if you dive into the Canadian marketplace, there's a couple of really interesting areas. And one interesting name in Canada is a very large cap stock oil energy, oil sands company called Suncor. And it's offering a great expected return right now. And, you know, we've had a big move in the energy space in the last year. And the commodity price has really come back dramatically in the last year from negative $35 a barrel very briefly last spring to over $70 a barrel today. And the stocks, some stocks have recovered more and Suncor in particular just really hasn't moved with that commodity price yet. And so there is more upside in our opinion in a name like Suncor. I have a lot of opinions on oil. I'm kind of debating whether I should talk about it or not. (laughs) But I actually, so you did mention something really interesting, Canada, because literally everybody, we have students from all over the world and everybody's interested in the U.S. market. And there is a kind of a strong indication that the U.S. itself is kind of becoming more and more unstable. Uh, We still have amazing companies and amazing culture and all these things, but Canada is definitely catching up. I'm going to put oil over here because I have opinions (laughs) on oil, but I would totally agree with you on the fact that we should not neglect the fact that Canada is, is up and coming and people who are talent in America, who is getting fed up with everything going on in America, is actually kind of migrating to Canada. And I know you're talking about more of a financial history, but also like just looking at the future, every power, every superpower has to come to an end and having a more internationally diversified portfolio definitely can be to your benefit. Um, That is amazing. So do you kind of even in Canada, do you go category by category or are you solely investing in Canadian assets or you are more international? Do you think, what do you think about China? Well, we are largely uh, domestic equity investors. We do have non-domestic funds, but you know, we're, you know, my specialty is still Canada. So that's why I give the best value when I'm speaking to investors overall. But there's lots of other interesting segments in Canada. I think the financial services area in particular, um, you know, both the banking sector and the insurance sector are low PE multiple areas of the market with above average dividend yields. And the other interesting feature in Canada today is that our aggregate market dividend yield is significantly higher than our 10-year government bond yield. So rather than buy a 10-year government bond, which in the US right now, 10-year government bond yields are higher than the dividend yield. Right now in Canada, the dividend yield is significantly higher than the 10-year government bond yield. And so you're better off investing in equities than in fixed income right now in Canada. Then then you could add on to that by buying some of the insurers and uh, some of the banks. We're very interested in Bank of Nova Scotia, which is uh, you know, a well globally diversified Canadian bank. And it's lagged some of the other major Canadian banks. It has an opportunity to play a little catch up here and has a fairly rich over 4% dividend yield. And same in the insurance space, you're seeing a lot of opportunities there. We quite like Fairfax Financial, as well as a life insurer called Manulife. 
both have relatively rich dividend yields and fairly reasonable prospects to, to revalue upwards over the next year or two, we believe. Amazing. So I noticed that you mentioned a lot of it more traditional sectors. And mm -hmm. the in the room is marijuana. <laughs> so it's <laughs> even Americans, I think if someone wants to invest in the Canadian industry, I think the, the first thing that comes to their mind is, okay, we got to get into marijuana sector. What are your thoughts on that? And are you even investing or even looking at that sector? Well, it was hard not to ignore the marijuana sector in Canada for several years because we legitimized marijuana earlier than in the U.S. And so we had a publicly listed market earlier and we saw it take off quite dramatically in advance of the legalization of cannabis. And it became quite speculative and overvalued. And then you saw it come down. And as value managers, we had written pieces about how overpriced the sector was. And again, as a value manager, we strongly believe that the price you pay when you enter an investment has an enormous impact on your long-term returns. And if you overpay, it can have a deleterious effect on your long-term results. So it came down and I understand it's now getting, you know, there's a lot of enthusiasm and it's getting overpriced again because you have a lot of American investors starting to get quite interested in this space. So no, we don't own it right now because we don't see value there at the moment. So we try and really go where we see value. That's amazing. Thank you so much, Kim. This is so informative and eye-opening to really understanding that, you know what, there are so many multiple paths to wealth and you are making money mm -hmm. if I have guests from all over the world who have focused or focusing on their own sector and they are making money as well. And I think at the end of the day, we want to just make the best decisions based on what we understand. And I love the fact that you're staying true to who you are and where you are and focusing on what you know best, which is the Canadian market. And we truly appreciate your expertise as well. Thank you so much, Kim, on our show. Thank you. Da, da, da.